You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. For the next hour, you're listening to the Classic Auto Mall Podcast, broadcast from the Classic Auto Mall Studio in Morgantown, Pennsylvania. Classic Auto Mall is a world-class facility conveniently located just an hour west of Philadelphia on the Pennsylvania Turnpike. The building is over 336,000 square feet and is full of over 650 classics for sale and 300 barn finds on display. Check out all the inventory on the website, ClassicAutomall.com. If you have any questions for our host or guest, email us at podcast at ClassicAutomall.com. Now on to the show with our host, the president of Classic Auto Mall, Stuart Howden. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Ethan. How's everybody this morning? Everybody's great. Glorious southeast Pennsylvania. Uh, I can't say what the weather is. Because <laughs> you can't. never know. You just never know. It could change in a minute. So, you know, we never know. So if I say something and you think that it's maybe a little dated, there's just – it could possibly be so. So, <laughs> Hey, we've got a great show today. We've got uh, – uh, in our second and third segment, we've got Kevin Callahan, uh, the owner of Devon Sports Cars. Uh, he's going to be on the show to talk about their r- resurrection of the brand and, and what they're all doing, and they're just – 45 minutes from us here so mm-hmm. uh, excited to hear about that i've seen his car at uh at uh radner hunt he had the the gray one with the red star the 56 devon it's really cool it so. is cool so we've been talking last week we talked about uh, a little bit about what happened at mecham and 217 million dollars in sales and then barrett jackson comes charging barreling in another 200 million dollars well, their 50th anniversary their fi- yeah so that didn't hurt yeah didn't hurt that and uh, of course it was i guess last year they didn't i don't know what they did there was more vir- virtual or something i don't really remember exactly what happened but uh, anyway they were back i think the crowds were limited there was no spectators last year there was just bidders or consigners allowed in which or, is or sporadic one, one year there was like sporadic yeah people had I, it's good that I'm st- we're starting to get so much distance from that time that it's almost hard to remember how long ago it was. You know, it's like having a it's like having a cast on your leg and then you get it taken off. It's like you, you don't remember how miserable you are with it. That's right because it just fades from you over time. It's so. true. I had a car club meeting the other night when nobody had masks and we were right. eating at a restaurant. Like you take it for granted. But it feels weird. We were right. over at the new casino uh, the other night in the same way. It was like first of all to be in a casino in Morgantown, Pennsylvania seems odd, and uh, and then you know to be in any event, any building. I, I know that Philadelphia proper it requires vaccination cards to go mm. into restaurants or mm-hmm. to events uh sporting events or museums or any of that so but anyway i don't know how i got off on that but, <laughs> um uh talking about barrett jackson uh you know their 50th anniversary 200 million dollars you know after the dust is settled you look back and you just are floored by the numbers that they did i mean 200 something million dollars 217 million in mecham Kissimmee. there's 420 million in one month mm-hmm. not to mention rm and gooding and um, the others that had uh, you know 8 10 12 million dollar sales yep. i mean my goodness gracious and that doesn't include buyers fees right that does you know, no i think most of them do they oh, they it? include that oh, like okay. some, some of the prices that i was uh, recognizing uh, uh that we'll talk about here in a minute uh do include the buyer's oh, premium, which is 8 to 10%, depending on where you go, or maybe it's high as 12% in some of the, excuse me, some of the auctions. Uh, but uh, and don't you have to, if you want to be a bidder, you have to 
pay a yeah. fee to be a bidder. You have to pay a fee. Uh, usually it's a hundred dollars or, I mean, it can be as much as five hundred dollars. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you pay a bidder fee for every purchase. So let's say you sell a car for a hundred thousand dollars. The buyer pays a hundred and ten. The seller gets ninety. So okay. Wow. Not a bad spread. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're in the wrong business. I think we can maybe do an auction here. We've talked about doing an oh. auction here, but our fear would be, that we'd empty out the mall in one day. <laughs> then what are we going to do? We have no cars left. So, uh, but anyway, uh, congratulations to, uh, Craig Jackson and Steve Davis, uh, the CEO and, uh, president of Barrett Jackson, respectively. And, uh, we hope to have them on our show one of these days and talk to them about the auction business and how well they've done and, you know, how they've kept it going for, for 50 years. You know, one of the things I noticed, uh, it, it's funny because the market was on, is, is on fire right now, but, Still to this day, Shelby Mustangs seem to still be a little flat. They don't seem mm-hmm. to really bring the numbers that you would think, especially the 68 GT500 KR convertibles. And all, although they did sell a 67 GT500 for $324,000. Okay. So, I mean, that's maybe an outlier. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the number one sale at Mecham's sale was a Shelby GT350R. Uh, that was a 60, I can't remember what year it was. What was that? Oh, 65. It was mm-hmm. the Ken Miles, uh, first R model built, brought $3.7 million. So, oh, there you go. I mean, I, so it doesn't sound like they're flat at all. Well, Ken, when you attach Ken Miles' name to it. <laughs> well, exactly. It's like anything. I mean, look yep. at what the bullet Mustang brought, right. you know, huh. 3 million plus or whatever. Uh, another really fun thing about what Bear Jackson does and, and, you know, just talking about numbers and prices, I get it. You know, it's not, they're not the barometer of what the market is. However, um, you know, it's interesting to see what things bring and don't bring and, and that kind of thing. The Z06 Corvette was pretty amazing, though. First right, zero, zero, serial number 001, mm-hmm. um, uh, bought by Rick Hendrick. Uh, was it a charity? It was a charity card, uh, Operation Homefront, which supports oh, right, military families, $3.7 million. Wow. And he was on the phone. He wasn't even there. His guy, Dale Ledbetter, who's a friend of mine who uh-huh. works for Hendrick, uh, was there on the phone bidding. Wow. And, you know, you just – you kept seeing in his face when the bid – he'd have to ask the, the boss for another bid. you think, oh, man, he's going to be mad at me. <laughs> I need right. to get this done. So, But um, Bel Airs were really, really strong uh, in, in Scottsdale. and uh, That's good because yeah. we have – you probably have six or seven. Six or seven, though. I think mm-hmm. we do. It's it's kind of a moving target. You know, we, mm-hmm. we get some. We lose some. Mm-hmm. We – we don't lose them. <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be featuring one on social media soon. And, oh, there but you I, go. I couldn't, I couldn't decide which one to pick. They're all so nice. I know. We've got some really nice ones uh, in stock. Some resto mods and some mm-hmm. original ones right. as well, too. Exactly. Uh, the resto mod Corvettes are through the roof. Mm-hmm. I mean, they sold a 63. No, no, no. It was a 67. A Corvette, a custom convertible, brought $715,000. Oh, That's incredible. I mean, I've never seen prices for resto mods that high. No. Um, you know, they one that we used to have here, uh, not the exact one, but an H1 Alpha Hummer mm-hmm. brought $687,000. Wow. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Those things are really on fire. And I thought not that long ago they were $150,000, $200,000. Mm-hmm. You do have two Hummers here. We do. We, one so, of them is, is gone. Okay. Um, the other one is still here. Um, other thing that was on fire out there are Broncos. 
Yeah. And of course, the minute the auction ended, we got a call on the black Bronco we have here, uh, that, uh, is, uh, it's like a resto it's mod, a resto mod mm-hmm. and it's in our truck room right outside our right. studio. Right. We featured here. that on social media, yeah, as, as did, uh, Maddie. Yeah. Uh, it's a get, it's a getting a lot of, uh, visibility. Yep. Yep. It it's really is. Truck. It's hot a truck. hot truck. I mean, they were bringing, even ones that looked plain Jane vanilla, you know, were bringing great money. And how about the 19, did you see the 1968 Suburban three door that sold on there? No. It sold for three hundred and eight thousand dollars. <laughs> that's just that's almost absurd. It really, it's crazy. And Eleanor Mustangs were huge out there as well too. We've sold a few of those. The Shelby Series ones were doing really well. They I brought, like those. Yeah, two hundred thirty six thousand and two hundred forty two thousand. Have you had those here? Uh, I haven't had one here. We had one in our place in Branson, Missouri. We had one that I like uh, those. And and we could we for whatever reason we could never get it sold. If mm-hmm. people would interested in it, people would talk about it and be interested and. Talk about buying it, but never bought it. And it yeah, just yeah, there they were said, soft for a while. They were soft, and and they've started. I mean, two hundred thirty six thousand. Mm-hmm. They used to be about one ten, one fifteen. Mm-hmm. So that's good. Um, the very last Grand National sold with thirty three miles on it for five hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, and of course it's it's funny because we just sold one ourselves with twenty six hundred miles oh, it, on it. it. Wasn't the last one? It's gone. It's well, it's here, but it's it's sold. Okay. Um, and of course, you know, the guys thinking, oh, maybe I struck a good deal or maybe it didn't you never know i mean what we like to say is i said a minute ago the you know the bear jackson or mecham is not the barometer of the market listen we've had cars that that people have bought from us mm-hmm. and taken to bear jackson or mecham and they've sold for more money than they paid for conversely we've had cars that people have bought from us and they've taken to mecham mm-hmm. or bear jackson and they sold for less than they paid right. for them so uh it's not necessarily the barometer it's not necessarily the end all but it's certainly fun to watch i will say if you if you're listening and you have a buick grand national <laughs> please send it to class automotive sale for you because we get we had incredible social media visibility from that car uh it's one you know close to my heart because i've had them and uh so we want we need more if you yeah, sold that yeah. 2600 one, oh, we need yeah. more we need more so bring more how about the maybelline 58 lincoln continental brought eight hundred and eight thousand dollars <laughs> and uh a, a gold dust 1962 lincoln continental seven hundred and fifteen thousand mm. a 70 hemi superbird nine hundred and ninety thousand that's, that's on par with well it, it is, but it isn't. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen them bring quite that much mm. money before. I think that the most I'd ever seen one maybe was five or six hundred, okay. and I may be wrong about that. But uh, but I just always feel shows. like they're a million dollar car. I do too. Reason. But you know, like those. Well, the Hemi Cudas convertibles were certainly that one was three point something million, uh, and then. Uh, but you know what was amazing was that how many cars they sold that were over two hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. And it becomes almost commonplace when you're watching these auctions to see a $200,000 car sale. Yet, that's a lot of money. Yeah. You yeah, know, I mean, that's that's a right. serious amount of money. Your net worth has to be pretty darn high <laughs> to raise your hand to buy a $200,000 toy. You're right. Out of pocket. <laughs> Out of pocket, yeah. Because I don't think – well, they are financing more. We're seeing it more here um, is that people are financing because money's cheap right now. So, you right. Know, and a lot of guys – we get guys who finance who could write a check for the car without question. That's uh, That apparently is the way to go. Yeah, yeah. Borrow, and, borrow cheap. Borrow cheap. and uh, Keep your money in the bank. Yeah, you know, keep your money. We can keep, do a whole show on that. Yeah, <laughs> keep your – keep liquid yep. as they like to say and uh and so we're seeing a lot of that happen we had a guy who got kind of ticked off at one of the finance companies he was not one that we deal with on a regular basis a credit union or something that mm-hmm. he dealt with and he got mad at him he just wrote a check for it and i thought well why wouldn't you have just done that in the first place but but like you said money's mm-hmm. cheap mm-hmm. and uh, they like to keep their assets you know free and clear listen after what we've been through in the past couple of years, I think everybody's a little bit more leery of not being, you know, not having cash or being flush. Right. And so 
I certainly get it. But, you know, the stock market keeps every day. I got to stop watching it. <laughs> it keeps going down <laughs> yeah, and it's got, driving me crazy. Don't watch that. I know. I know. You're not supposed to. And they, I put that stupid app on my phone and I wish I hadn't have done it because now I can't help myself. I have to check it. And then, of course, I think I, cars and real estate are a better investment right I now. I think than so the stock too. Market. Real estate is crazy. Try to buy a house in Florida right now. No, it's just impossible. But, uh, even Morgantown. Even Morgantown. <laughs> oh, I've been telling you, there's not, there's hardly, there's not much real there's estate not. available. Nope. So anyway, uh, the other thing that happened down at Mecham, mid-engine Corvettes were going through the roof. These new Corvettes are just breaking the bank. Mm-hmm. Grand Wagoneer, one sold for one hundred fifty-four thousand, one sold for one hundred seven thousand. Those were those weren't resto mods; they were r- back to original or stock. So, um, really, really interesting to to watch all that yep. and and see what was happening in the market. Um, the other thing is that one of my favorite cars, a '79 Pontiac Trans Am, sold. It was in Nocturne Blue, four hundred, not the four hundred three Oldsmobile engine with a four speed Borg Warner, thirty eight original miles, one hundred eighteen thousand oh, dollars. Wow! <laughs> yeah, somebody cool. tucked one of those away. Yeah, they that's did. That's amazing. And you know, is that a wise thing to do? We've, we that's going to be a whole other show that we're going to talk about about tucking things away and what did or didn't happen. Seventy eight Corvettes come to mind, is, right? Or seventy six Cadillac Eldorado convertibles that everybody, you know, the last convertible and. What's this going to be worth in 10, 15 years? And the 78 Corvette, what's it going to be worth? And there for a while, they weren't worth a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've started to come of age a little bit, uh, but certainly not uh, you know what they used to be. And we want to do a whole show on how to – if you're going to buy a car and store it, not, not intend on driving it – what do you need to do? Yeah. You know, because it's not good for a car necessarily to sit that long. No. You know, a car with 33 miles, like the Grand National, you know, it's going to have seal issues if you want to drive it. If Absolutely. Not, that's a museum Absolutely. Piece. By the way, a shout out to Pat Travers, uh, our theme music. Uh, uh, the Pat Travers Band is uh, uh, our theme music that we're using. Uh, Offbeat Ride is the name of the song mm-hmm. off the Putting It Straight album from 1977. Uh, when we return, we're going to have our guest, Kevin Callahan, the owner of Devon Sports Cars, in the studio here with us. And we'll uh, talk about the resurrection of Devon. See you then. Hey folks, this is Victor with the On Point with Victor show. Make sure you listen every Tuesday 1 to 2, only right here on America's Web Radio, the On Point with Victor show. Remember folks, I'm not angry, I'm just right. And you can find out why every Tuesday from 1 to 2, the On Point with Victor show, only right here on America's Web Radio. It's a museum, it's a showroom, it's an experience. The Classic Auto Mall in Morgantown, Pennsylvania is 336,000 square feet of rare, custom, and specialty automobiles on display and on consignment. From the earliest production cars to modern exotics, Classic Auto Mall is a feast for the eyes and the memories. Stroll through time in any season in this climate-controlled facility that you simply have to see to believe. Admission is free. Just remember to bring comfortable shoes. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we are back with the Classic Auto Mall podcast from the downtown Morgantown studio. It's the only studio we have, so it wouldn't be like we had multiple studios spread out throughout the country. We just have one. But you know what's interesting that we were just talking about a minute ago is how many automotive-related businesses and companies and events happen right here in southeast Pennsylvania. It's amazing. Uh, one of those companies that's here is uh, the Resurrection of Devon Sports Cars. And uh, Kevin Callahan, uh, an engineer and a lifelong classic car guy, uh, resurrected the brand, and he's our guest today. And uh, welcome, glad to have you here, Kevin. Good morning. Yeah. Great to be at this facility. Yeah, it's nice to have you here. I, I, uh, I saw one of your cars at uh, when we were at Radnor Hunt. Uh, that's your kind of your your driver, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you saw my silver um, 
Devin, um, which basically a Triumph TR3. Right. Um, yeah, the Radnor Hunt. What a great event that was. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I love that day. one. Right in our backyard, yep. too. How yep. cool is that? It's as good as the Amelia. It's as good as Pebble Beach, in my opinion. I mean, it's just a beautiful countryside out there. It's just amazing. So how's the response been to the resurrection of Devon? Really, really good. Um, there's a, a community out there. He, he made over 3,000 bodies wow. of cars. So there's a community out there that hasn't not been supported since Bill Devon stopped uh, producing these cars and stuff. So amazing how many people have bought bodies and parts of cars and stuff or how many people have gotten into offs racing. Mm-hmm. So the first couple of years here I've been supplying front ends, fenders. Sure. Uh, say a group had – had a body, but they lost the door because the dad had moved three times. Now they have a source to go to right. buy the doors and complete the cars. So uh, it's been a real good opportunity for me to support the communities out there and bro- grow the brand. So kind of a hobby turned into a business for you? or <laughs> Yes, my, my side hustle, let's put it that way. Yeah, I have a real nine-to-five job, yep. and, and this has started, and I'm looking forward to doing more and more sure. of this as it goes on. Well, and, and Devons were produced from starting in, what, 1954? Was that the started? early 50s yeah. uh, to the mid-60s, uh, Bill Devon produced race cars uh, sure. for the moral market there. Right. And they were they were, uh, they were were legendary. I mean, they were fast back in the day, weren't they? They were – Yeah, one of his taglines is uh, he produced national championship race cars since 1953. It was the formula that everyone was doing in Southern California. You, you took a sophisticated chassis with European parts, right. lightweight. You put a big American motor in it, sure. and uh, you went racing, and yeah, it you sounds, were successful. Yeah, it sounds yeah. like somebody that we have heard about in the 60s did that. Maybe Shelby, like right behind me. <laughs> yeah, like the picture behind me. <laughs> exactly. Bill Devin and Shelby knew each other well. Sure. Um, they talk about this Bill Devin's 75th uh, uh, birthday. Uh, Shelby was there amongst right. with a lot of other guys. So uh, they traded secrets a lot. Sure. Well, I think a lot of guys did. I mean, it, it was competitive back then, but it probably was more communal than it is nowadays. I mean, we're kind of that way with, in our business. I mean, we talk about our competitors. We have our. We had a classic car dealer on the show last week. So it's, uh, you know, it's one of those things that uh, it's okay to talk about your competition. You know, it's not, not the end of the world. So Devin was powered by whatever the whatever you had available, or was there a recommended motor that went in them, or could you buy them with a motor, or how did that work? Well, we have two Bill Devin stories. He he made um, fiberglass bodies that you could buy and put on your race car. So you DIY'd in your driveway, you had a frame, and you wanted to uh, put a nice uh, European-style body, which was lightweight and helped your race. Sure. Then Bill Devin made three models of cars. He made the Devin SS, the Devin D, and the Devin C. So getting back to your question, this flagship, the Devon SS, had that Chevrolet 283 motor in it. Right. Um, the Devon D had a Porsche motor in it. Oh, really? Very like like a Speedster. Mm-hmm. And then when Corvair came out, um, he was able to make the Devon C, which was an American-made, now, rear-engine car. Sure. And and Devon was into cars before he created this this brand of his, right? I mean, he he raced cars over in, England, in Europe and... Yeah, he uh, not the you know, the whole life, but uh, his dad was a car guy. His right. dad had a dealership. He had several dealerships, which he had bought and sold over time, which gave him the opportunity, the financial ability to go racing, and he did. Sure. Um, well, that's why a lot of rich guys were the guys who were racing back in the fifties and sixties, yep. and and not that he necessarily was rich or not. Where, what part of the world was he living in? Where, where was he from? Um, well, he started out. His parents grew up in the Midwest, but right. he ended up in Southern California, and that's where he made all of his connections. And uh, yeah, he wanted 
wanted to go racing. He was good, but he wasn't that good. Right. And uh, yeah. Well, you see, you know, you see a lot of that of guys who are team owners now that were, you know, started out as racers, but maybe weren't quite as good as as uh, some of the guys that they could hire, mm-hmm. the hired guns, if you will. Because Penske used to race. I mean, uh, Rick Hendrick used to race. Uh, any of the guys who are team owners now yeah. used to race. So Devin. Um, um, Founded in '54 was the company. How long did he run? How many years did he run it, or how long did the company stay in its original form? Probably up to '64. Right. Um, his last car was a G- Devon uh, GT. It premiered at the, the uh, New York Auto Show. He, he did have orders for '64 of them following that show. Wow. He just did not have the financial ability to and commitment to go forward and produce those. But there's two of these cars still remaining. There, they're worth a lot. Sure, absolutely. One just sold recently at RM Auctions, yep. I believe. Brought seventy yep. something thousand dollars, I think, for that. Yeah, John Pretty's. Um, that was a Corvair, yeah. so that was a Devon C, Let's and see. Um, that sold, and that was one a real good example of yeah. the original Devon C. But, beautiful, beautiful, because yeah. the paint job and the interior just looks st- stunning yeah. on that that car. So. Devons, I think, are misnomered uh, uh, for a lot uh, as kit cars. They're not really kit cars, though, are they? I mean, that's, no. That's I'm glad you brought that up. And it does. You know, I heard Jerry Leno on his show go. They're talking. Oh yeah, Bill Devon. He, he made those kit cars. Those kit you know, cars. but uh, yeah, so a kit car, I think, came about in the um, the 70s or 80s, where people wanted to build a car that looked like something. Right. But you got to go back. Bill Devon, he built the car to go racing. That's where the DNA is. Sure. So he built the car to go racing. So it did have a fiberglass body, so it kind of falls into that kit car. But it would be like calling a Corvette a kit car. I mean, yeah. <laughs> just there a little bit more volume, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, but there were street legal Devons as well, too. Did he build them just for racing, or did he build them for the street as well? For the street also. Yeah. He had a manufacturer's license. Um, one of the fun things I get when I bought the Devon Sports Car Company, I got banker boxes of uh, correspondence. Wow. And the correspondence between him and the California state, you know, and his uh, manufacturer's license. I still have his license plate that was given to him by the state of California. Wow. To manufacture cars. You How know? cool! So, uh, so yeah. when you bought the rights to Devon, did you did any inventory come with it? Did anything, or was it just the rights and the name, and you have to go forward all on your own? No, and that's a very cool part about it. Um, I flew out there. I had to be Bear Jackson one year, so right. um, I pushed my way out to California and uh, met with the son of one of the guys who owned it, and um, yeah, so. It, it was amazing how many parts and pieces, containers full. Wow. So we looked at these containers full of jigs and the original molds and the patterns and everything. And uh, when I bought it, one of the more fun things that came about, uh, I told my family I was going to do it. And, right. You know, I was telling my <laughs> wife I'm going to buy car parts this time, not just another car. Uh, she was great about it. But That's my good. kids said, hey, we'll go out with you. So I have two you know, kids, and uh, we flew out to California. We loaded up these containers. Uh, we hung out, did some surfing, hung out in California for a while and came back. Nice, or, or nice. A very cool weekend of my life. Yeah, you have to have uh, a support of your, uh, fam- you know, your family and your, especially your wife, and to do these kind of crazy things that we do. My wife wonders how all of our vacations somehow there's a car deal that's involved. There's always an event or a concours or something happening when we go on vacation. I don't know how that happens. It just seems to be kind of a random thing, right? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> you go out there. We go out to Hershey every year for Christmas. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> exactly. I gotta go uh, see the car museum, dear. Yeah. Yeah, uh, wasn't it, that in there? Wasn't yeah. it great to have Hershey 
back this year as well. I mean, yep. after missing a year, you know, and I tell you what, people were so disappointed in missing Hershey. They, they've been coming every single year for the past 50 years and then all over however long they've been doing it. And all of a sudden it just wasn't there. And it really, it becomes part of your DNA when people, uh, you know, they, they take their sons and then they sons take their sons and it just becomes a family tradition. And, uh, so it's re- really a wonderful thing. We have a, always have a big setup at, at Hershey and we, we love having, one of these days we'll have to have a Devon in our, our booth out there. there you go. That would be great. Fantastic. I'd love to, love that. to have that yep. car there. And, uh, so, uh, what made Devon's different back in the day? What was, made them stand out from the crowd? You know, it, they stood out from the crowd because, and uh, uh, Cobra Shelby stood, stood out from the crowd. Um, they embraced the technology that was over in Europe. Um, we did not have the components. We didn't have girl and brakes. We didn't have different shocks. So um, Shelby went out, and as Bill Devon went out to a group in Ireland who made the chassis for him. So he had the best of the European technology that was brought back in the chassis he built from two guys in Ireland. He fitted it with a lightweight body that was actually very Ferrari-like, right. and then he put a uh, motor in there, which uh, was very powerful. Right. So what a car you had. Yeah. Didn't he own a Ferrari, Ferrari. And, and campaign a Ferrari back in the day? He was a car dealer in a way, and um, yeah, one of the cars he had a Barquetta. Right. And uh, actually, Phil Hill drove that to several uh, races and was very successful in it. So, wow, that's he, pretty good provenance. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah he had a lot of, he had Maseratis, Ferraris, and uh him and uh, Chinetti were very good friends. Right. In fact, right. there's a story we tell that they flew out, and Bill Devon was going to run in Lamont one year. Right. And uh, they flew to the factory, and uh, old man Ferrari did not have uh, his Devon done. Right. And it was pretty funny. Mike Hawthorne was there with him, too, and Mike Hawthorne's Devon wasn't done. Uh, Ferrari, Ferrari wasn't done. Right. So uh, they traveled over, and they raced in uh, Lamont. Uh, actually, Chinetti did with Tommy Cole. Right. Uh, Tommy Cole had gotten off, and he actually died in the race right. so Chinetti stayed back with Cole for the funeral and Bill Devon just floated back to the uh, Ferrari factory right. and, and that's where he made a lot of decisions he said sure. you know what I can do this too sure, you know, sure. that's inspirational yeah. and uh, that's how we really started right. building the Devon SS right. and, and getting his uh, jump start in the car world well and Chinetti I mean uh, he had North American racing team NART which everybody yep. may or may not be familiar with and he was the original importer of Ferraris right into the United States. And that's how Bill was getting them. Sure, sure. Yeah. And Kirk White, who have you, I don't know if you know who Kirk White is. He was a Ferrari dealer back in the day and he's got a great book and he was another guy from yeah. around here. Close, you know, I love the local connections that we have. Penske, right, you know, grew mm-hmm. up, you know, was right up the street from us here as one of their larger uh, corporate uh, uh, campuses they have right here and just all the connections of cars. And so it's a, it's, you know, it's a natural for you to be in this area, in my opinion, uh, because of the car culture. I guess you feel that, don't you? I do, and uh, I listen to your podcast. It's funny. Um, our facility now is an ex-Reading truck body facility right. over in Willow Grove. Uh, <laughs> uh, when I need parts made, I have these wooden patterns. Somebody carved these patterns out of wood. It's just, they're, they're a piece of artwork themselves. But I go down. I'm leaving the show here today. I'm going down to pick up some uh, uh, brake calipers that the Amish cast me right. in sand. And, uh, you know, it's just, wow. it's just crazy, the, the skill set that's here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania sure. to continue what I'm doing from machinist to the Amish to uh, fiberglass guys who build my bodies. It mm-hmm. just really excites me. Yeah, it's a hotbed 
of, of activity around here with cars and how many guys you run into who have 10 or 15 or 25 cars in a collection in a barn and they're just down the street and you hardly even, you know, people that have lived there their whole lives never have heard of them or mm-hmm. seen them or knew that they were even there. And of course, with the internet, more and more things are coming to light and we're seeing more and more of that. And of course, the Amish, the work that they do with wood is just amazing. Although I was down at, uh, at the chat, we were talking a little while ago about the Chattanooga, uh, Concord Elegance and went to, uh, uh, Corky Coker's place, uh, Honest Charlie Speed Shop, and they they do restorations and they they recast wooden wheels, and they're making these wooden wheels like for cars from the twenties that are just amazing. The wooden spokes and everything, and I mean, you know, it's so nice that people are continuing to carry on the tradition. And I hope I I would imagine that's your hope as well too, is that Devin the tradition and the memories of it will come to fruition and and people will want to own a Devin sports car built currently, uh, uh, and you're building them now, right? Yes, and not whole cars yet, right. but um, what we're excited about right now is we're actually building two test and development vehicles. Nice. Um, and we're sorting out everything. One is being shipped to Europe and be completed in Europe. One will be here in the United States. So that's going to give us uh, a lot of insight to what Bill Devon uh, – the story of Bill Devon really hasn't been told. Right. People go, I know Shelby. Well, yeah. you know Shelby because <laughs> you saw the movie. There's right. not a movie about Bill Devon. <laughs> but we could do one. Yeah. I mean, we got a studio or a start of a studio. Anyway, uh, when we return, uh, Kevin Callahan will continue our discussion with uh, on Devon Sports Cars and uh, everything automotive that we can think of in a minute. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. If you have lost a loved one and were left with a firearms collection and are not sure how to dispose of them safely, or you may have firearms you no longer want, this message is for you. I am a licensed FFL firearms dealer in the state of Florida, specializing in estate firearm purchases. It is very important that all firearm transactions be handled according to state and federal laws. You can contact me for information at firearmliquidationservice at outlook.com, or you can call or text me at 407-921-8100-247 and ask for James. Again, for information contact me at Firearm Liquidation Service at Outlook.com or call or text me at 407-921-8100. All communications are strictly confidential. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we are back with the Classic Auto Mall podcast live, maybe, from the Classic Auto Mall studios in wonderful, beautiful downtown Morgantown, Pennsylvania, with our guest, Kevin Callahan, the resurrector of Devon Sports Cars and, uh, and all things Devon, right? We're, uh, you're probably a, a, a light at the end of the tunnel for a lot of guys who are restoring these things that you've now resurrected. You have parts available, all that kind of thing. Yeah, it really helps that um, person want to always complete the Devon. Devons sometimes were like a um, 
a model airplane. Everybody bought them, but no one actually finished right. building them all. So uh, exactly. Yeah, but you slept better knowing that it was in your garage and your dreams lived on. Well, people are getting to be that certain age and looking, say, you know what? I'm going to complete my Devon. Sure, now. sure. You know, I mean, know. that's great. I mean, listen, we've all everybody's eyes are bigger than their stomach sometimes, and you think, oh, I, I can't tell you how many project cars I've sold to guys who come back three years later and there hasn't been anything done, and they they sell me back that and buy a done one because <laughs> because they. Realize it was way more work or way more expensive than they thought. Um, but Devons back in the day were they were they affordable or were they expensive for the time? Um, if you bought and, and it's funny we referred to the bodies. The bodies were called two ninety five bodies because they were two hundred ninety five dollars. So wow. you could buy a body for two hundred ninety five dollars and it would fit twenty seven different frame sizes. Wow. By, Shortening the the say the sill under the door or making the body wider or smaller. So um, yes, that was affordable to people who wanted to complete that dream. Right. Um, when the cars were produced, they were more than Corvettes, and that's one of the things that hurt Bill Devon. He wanted to bring the SS to the market for five thousand six hundred dollars. A lot of money back then. But it turned out to be ten thousand when he had to do it. So um, they were not. And that's one thing that the price point of the car prevented him from making more than, say, the 20 or 30 that he made. Sure. Well, that uh, seemed to be the case with a lot of guys building their own cars. DeLorean comes to mind. Mm-hmm. His was double what he originally wanted it to be. Yep. And had it been cheaper, same for the Devon, I imagine that the sales would have been better and he would have been more prosperous with the, with the brand. Although it's amazing that they didn't make that many because it's so well known to this day. I mean, people still recognize the Devon name. I'm, I'm sure you hear that all the time. Yeah, in the car world, they do. Mm-hmm. Um, his completed cars, maybe he made over 100 manufactured cars, but we had 3,000 of these bodies out there. So uh-huh. um, yeah, there's a quite a population of Devon owners, whether it's a body or a complete car. Sure. And, and they're bringing big money at auctions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like we said. And was the um, – uh, what kind of race history did they have? Were there were they lots of wins on them? Or you know, was it SCCA mostly or – Mostly SCA, yeah. CCAA. Um, like I mentioned, I haven't yet, but the first one was in 1950. Uh, he had uh, developed what was called a Panhard. Right. Um, he bought 12 uh, of these Panhard chassis. And that's the first time he actually played around with this miracle project product of the 50s, fiberglass. It was like, <laughs> right. wow, we can build now a body. We don't have to build a buck and hammer right. it out of metal. Right. So he built these fiberglass bodies for these Panhards. And he, an interesting story about Bill Devin, he actually he was the first one to develop a belt for an overhead cam. So and he did that on the Panhards. Uh, he figured out a way. Panhard was almost like a motorcycle motor. He had an overhead cam, and he took a belt which had teeth and actually ran the cam with that belt. Wow! He never patented, and right. it's gone on now. Cars all over the world use these belts, but sure. uh, he's credited for the guy who invented the uh, belt. It, did he design the body of the Devons, or did somebody else do that for him? Um, the the Panhard he kind of designed, right. but. Um, it was Jimmy Orr who dropped off a, um, a well, a Ferrari-type body car. Right. It was a Ferrari body by Sergio uh, Schiaretti. Right. Um, so he actually took a mold off of that one the first time. Right. So that body does follow the lines. If you're following at home and you want to Google an image of a Devon, you'll say, wow, that thing looks like a Ferrari Testarossa right. or maybe a Maserati 300 or 450S. So the... 
styling influences definitely came from the Italians for sure, the body. Sure. Did he um, and and I guess growing up in the Midwest, uh, you know, had those good mid- Midwestern values, and then he moved to California and probably got caught up in it just like everybody else did. I mean, that was when the hot rod craze was going wild and sports car craze as well yep. too. I mean. Yeah, he was, um, he, like many of them, he was uh, coming back from the war. Yeah. And a lot of these hot rodders, when we look back on it, um, yeah, he worked for uh, Douglas Aircraft, but as a Navy, or whatever he was right. in the Navy, he was a machinist. Right. So it was during the Navy he honed his machining skills, he problem-solving skills. You know, a lot of these guys were very solution-oriented. Sure. You know, from Ken yeah. Miles to, you know, Shelby, they knew how to look at a problem and solve it. Mm-hmm. So you had at that time, all these guys came back from the war. They were in Southern California, and they were building cars. Right. And cars that could beat the big manufacturers in Europe. And it was a really exciting time. Did they buy the motors directly from the manufacturers? Or yes. How did, so yeah. they were they were able to, to do that back yeah. then. Yeah. One thing, Ford and Chevy, and you see that, they could produce motors. And sure. Europeans couldn't get motors like we could in the United right, States right. at the time. Well, they still sell them. People don't maybe even realize it, but you can still buy crate motors from Chevrolet and from yep. Ford and Chrysler and all of those. Uh, uh, pretty interesting that you can, uh, although I think they just discontinued the 427 or something that they had mm. re- resurrected as well. Um, so, you know, with with a company like Devon, you know, obviously it's a passion for you as much as anything. Uh, where do you see it going in the future? What do you see happening? What's your vision? Um, we want to complete these two tests and development cars to see what we have. We're going to take them racing. We're going to see how successful they are at racing. And uh, I think they will be based on the design, the technology, four-wheel disc brakes, Dion tube rears, inboard brakes, uh, all the things that were successful in a car in the 50s. And right. uh, I think we're going to have a really good proof of concept that's showing that this car can compete very well. Right. And, um, yeah, we'll look to build um, – Frames. I have the jigs for the original uh, frame. I have the body panels. You know, we still have a lot of bodies we can pull off of those molds. And uh, whether we do a DIY or a complete car, we're not there yet. Sure. But, um, yeah, I can see it's working for, say, Jaguar. They have a continuation car. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of these manufacturers are doing it now. So, um, yeah, can we produce a continuation car of the Devon SS, which is his flagship? I, I think that would be really well received mm-hmm. by people. I do too. Um, it's a beautiful design, and especially like the one that you drive. I was just noting, if you go on their website, which is uh, your website is devonsportscars.com, I think. You almost have it. Yeah, Devon Sports Cars and maybe LLC at the end. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah that's I think it is. Yeah. Um, you can Google it and, and find it, and uh, that's just that gray one with the red stripe is just absolutely stunning. I would think that that car, I imagine you get car offers on that car all the time. Everybody probably wants to buy it from you, I would imagine. It's great, and I, I judge my car shows on how how much voice I have left when I, when I come home from them. Uh, have I been talking all day? And I realize I just talked the whole day. And guys come up to me and say, like, man, everybody's just hanging out around your car. And I yeah. go, oh, something they haven't seen before. It catches their eyes. Um, you and I probably grew up watching Speed Racer. So Absolutely. my eyes are focused to a car that looks like that, you know. So, uh, yeah, when yeah. I go home not being able to speak, it was a good car show. It was a good day, yeah. wasn't it? So, and uh, who's going to be doing the driving during these racing times? Will that be you or will that be – will you hire a gun, a young gun to do that? Um a hot foot, we call them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I can't give up too many, but uh, we hopefully we're taking a car to the Goodwood Revival, oh, and man. we're going to have a hot shoe in there. I'm in. So, I'm gonna, you know. uh, I can't name the name of the driver <laughs> we're working on right now, but uh, 
It will be well represented. Uh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Goodwood is on my bucket list. So if you, you know, if you have an extra slot over there, just let me know. I'll okay. be glad to fill in. <laughs> I uh, keep threatening to go there and Monaco and where else do I want to go? There's four or five different places that I haven't ever been that I, I need to, to go one of these days. And Goodwood, that, have you been to Goodwood? I have not. Oh man. I'm it's trying just... to get my 50s outfit together so I can head <laughs> over there and tell the listeners it's kind of interesting. You have to go in period clothes. Absolutely. Yeah. Why not? You, I mean, it's like going to the Kentucky Derby. If your yep. wife doesn't have a big hat, then you're just, you're, you're, you're not doing it right. Yeah. So, um, so as far as, uh, if people want more information about buying a Devon or buying parts or any of that, they can obviously go to the website. They can reach out to you directly. Mm-hmm. Um, and do you anticipate, I mean, where do you see it in 10 years from now? I mean, do you think that one of the sons of yours, will they take over the business someday? Do you think or do they have the passion for it that you do? Um, so a couple of questions there. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, follow us. We do have a uh, newsletter we send out. So jump on the website and sign up for a newsletter. Um, my, my sons do not have the passion, but going back to this Commonwealth of Pennsylvania story, uh, when I was putting the deal together to purchase Devin, there was a guy named um, uh, Craig Jones. And I corresponded with him on the Internet back and forth every once in a while. So I'm like, maybe I'll get Craig involved. Right. He is the Devon guy. He right. holds the Devon register. And I'm like, hey, Craig, where are you located again? He goes, <laughs> I'm in Jenkintown. I go, I'm in Abington. We realize we're 1.2 miles away from wow. each other. Wow. So um, yeah, I'm sure even if I go on, Craig is going to run with this. We're working together on a lot of things now. But uh, – Small world, yeah. that's a great example. Yeah, I need one of those, too. My kids are uh, have very little interest in cars. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, My son wants solid tires on his car because he can't understand why <laughs> we need to put air in tires, and, and they'll go flat on you. So I'm looking for somebody uh, to uh, take the reins here one of these days, and uh, hopefully we'll find it. So uh, the, the website is devonsportscarsllc.com. I was just looking that up and get that correct, so our listeners will be able to uh, get on your website and check it out. And, uh, you know, uh, what's uh, are you doing any more shows or any more uh, concours or anything where you're going to have the car out? Anything in the plans coming up where people can see it in person? I haven't looked at the whole schedule, but one of them I would definitely do. I know you're at that's the Coltsville Grand Prix. I love that. That event. is, uh, I went last year as a uh, just to see what it was all about. So uh, I'm looking forward to. Uh, Doing a couple laps around the town there Absolutely. and showing the car. How fun is that? I mean, you just, it's funny. The first time I went was about three or four years ago and I was blown away. It was just really well done. And, uh, you know, there's so many great, like we said, car events around here. The hill climb that they have up in Reading is amazing where they go up to the Bogota. Uh, that's an amazing racing event. They used to do a hill climb in Hershey, but I think a couple of years ago they stopped doing it. And I'm not sure if they're going to continue or not. They, it was in conjunction with the Concord, mm-hmm. the Elegance, which, yep. Uh, uh, the riches uh, put on, um, and I don't. They didn't do one even before COVID, and then they haven't done one since. So I'm not sure if it's coming back or not. But uh, certainly, you know, what a great way to show off a car, uh, especially a racing car, uh, mm-hmm. at a race. Or yep. you know, and they're not. I mean. The Coachville Grand Prix is not technically a race, but you can go as fast as you want, right? I mean, it's, you know. Just follow the leader, yeah. <laughs> but it, you get the experience, and the, and the cars come around the corner, and the people hear the sounds, and sure. uh, it's, it's kind of like how racing was. Sure. You know? I mean, the crowds that turn out for that event are amazing. It's mm-hmm. it's really well attended. I'd like to see more of these Coachville Grand Prix type events because it's an opportunity for people to 
experience cars that they've never seen before, maybe in an environment that they've never seen them in. So um, please don't forget to check out Kevin's uh, website. Uh, if you have any questions for him, I'm sure you can email him on the site and uh, sign up for his newsletter and uh, sign up for our newsletter as well, too. And you'll learn everything about cars that uh, maybe we'll get to sell a Devon one of these days. So we'd love to do that. And we will be back in just a few minutes. And uh, thanks again, Kevin, for being on the show. Okay. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about antique car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. If you have lost a loved one and were left with a firearms collection and are not sure how to dispose of them safely, or you may have firearms you no longer want, this message is for you. I am a licensed FFL firearms dealer in the state of Florida, specializing in estate firearm purchases. It is very important that all firearm transactions be handled according to state and federal laws. You can contact me for information at firearm liquidation service at outlook.com, or you can call or text me at 407-921-8100-247 and ask for James. Again, for information contact me at firearm liquidation service at outlook.com, or call or text me at 407-921-8100. All communications are strictly confidential. It's a museum, it's a showroom, it's an experience. The Classic Auto Mall in Morgantown, Pennsylvania is 336,000 square feet of rare, custom, and specialty automobiles on display and on consignment. From the earliest production cars to modern exotics, Classic Auto Mall is a feast for the eyes and the memories. Stroll through time in any season in this climate-controlled facility that you simply have to see to believe. Admission is free, just remember to bring comfortable shoes. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we are back with the Classic Auto Mall podcast from the Classic Auto Mall studios in Morgantown, Pennsylvania. Soon to be world famous because we've got a casino, so that'll make us. <laughs> what a great guest. And I love the passion for people that are resurrecting brands like Devin. And, and it's just so cool to see. And I wish him all the success in the world. What a really neat guy. And, uh, you know, the passion that he has for being an engineer, you know, all those uh, uh, checks all the right boxes, you know, and uh, loves to talk about cars. And, and you know, that's. That's that's what makes this hobby go around. I mean, you go to these car shows and you see people talking about their car all day long. And he just happens to be, you know, to own the manufacturer, <laughs> be like Mr. Louis Chevrolet out there. You know? I, I first heard of Devin when I went to Abington to buy something off a of Craigslist or something for my wife, whatever. Right. <laughs> and the guy's getting cleaning out his garage, and he said he's restoring a Devin. I had no idea. Never heard of it. Yeah. And it just happened to be in Wyoming. It has nothing to do with <laughs> right. these guys uh, other than the car itself. Right. I mean, I'm fascinated by obscure brands. Yeah, me too. I love that kind of stuff. The orphan brands. Yeah, orphan brands. Yeah, obscure. That, that, that we see and obscure. So um, one of our features that we do is called Four on the Floor, and it's a trivia contest. I hope this car is still here. Because <laughs> <laughs> we, we created these a while back, right? Yes. So let's hope that the car is still here. And let, I can tell you real quickly uh, right. if, if it's still here, just to make sure. Yes, I try to create these weeks several, several weeks in advance. So at the movement of your uh, stock the way we're right moving now. inventory, yeah. I believe this one is still in stock. So this, we give you four clues. And you send us an email to podcast at classicautomall.com. 
and tell us what the stock number, year, make, and model of the car is. It's a specific car. It's not just a you know a seventy-seven Eldorado, you know, mm-hmm. or, or something along that. It's a specific car we have in inventory. So, uh, and we have four clues that we give every week, and they're they're pretty interesting clues. So the first one, first clue is rhinestone cowboy appropriate, huh? Lived 1957 to 1976. That might help narrow it down for some people. Um, binary. <laughs> I don't think. Okay. And get in, dot, 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 and bring your plywood. <laughs> so those are the four clues. Rhinestone Cowboy Appropriate. Lived 1957 to 1976. Binary, B-I-N-A-R-Y for those of gotcha. you who don't know. Uh, get in, bring your plywood. If you know the answer to the specific car that's in our inventory, we'll send you a cool Classic Auto Mall baseball cap. Uh, email us at podcast at classicautomall.com. Or if you're just interested in the car or something with Classic Auto Mall in general, info at classicautomall.com will get you to uh, uh, us. And we'll uh, if you have a car for sale or if you're interested in buying a car that you've seen on our website or something along those lines. And the sales, of course, we recorded last week, so we're actually a week, I don't know where we are. <laughs> I think we're a week behind. Week, week, week later. A week later. So this is two weeks of sales of where we've sold cars to in the past two weeks, and it's another long list, so I'll do my marathon reading and uh, hope it's not too boring for you. So we've sold cars in the past two weeks to Orlando, Florida, Shama, Colorado, New Brandenburg, Germany, Chester Springs, Pennsylvania, Unionville, Connecticut, Warrington, Pennsylvania, Bloomfield, Connecticut, Frisco, Texas, Marqueux, France, Orville, Ohio, Dover, Pennsylvania, Naples, Florida, King of Prussia, Pennsylvania, Staten Island, New York, Maxar, Malta. I'd like to go to Malta. Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, Elverson, Pennsylvania, Millstone Township, New Jersey, Riverside, California, Hamburg, Pennsylvania, Palo Cedro, California. I'm sure I'm butchering some of these. Middletown, Pennsylvania, San Francisco, California, Ojai, California, Dawsonville, Georgia. Awesome Bill from Dawsonville is from Dawsonville, Georgia. <laughs> um, Windsor, Pennsylvania, Seabright, New Jersey, Richmond, Kentucky, Dushore, Pennsylvania, Little Egg Harbor, New Jersey, Boone, Iowa, Deer Trail, Colorado, Kingsville, Maryland, Paso Robles, uh, California. California. I'm sure I was wrong on that, too. Austin, Texas, Laredo, Texas, Eureka, Montana, Chester Springs again, Pennsylvania, Webster, Wisconsin, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, Atco, New Jersey, Belton, Texas, Fairbalt, Minnesota. So that's where we've sold cars to in the past two weeks. It's amazing. Some of them are five miles down the road (laughs) and then across the world. (laughs) I know. It's just it's bizarre how that kind of works out, isn't it? So um, we were talking about pricing on cars and all that. One thing I failed to mention, and I've I've been meaning to talk about it, Worldwide Group, which is a group based in Auburn, Indiana, uh, is an auction house. They sold, get this, a Duesenberg Model J engine. So the Duesenberg Model J is the top of the line, mm-hmm. Duesenberg. And those are the J models were, were the sports car of the day. They were big. They were fast. They were cool. And they bring crazy money nowadays. The engine in, from a Model J brought $775,000. Wow. I mean, <laughs> that's just the engine. They are a work of art. If you've never seen a Duesenberg engine, they're big and long and beautiful and just uh, amazing, amazing car. Um, speaking of cars, some of the new consignments that we've consigned lately, uh, a 56 Chevrolet 210 two-door sedan. Oh, well, that sounds like, what is that? What? Mm-hmm. Well, it's got 15,000 original miles. Really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's got the old reliable Blue Flame 6, 235 cubic inch Blue Flame 6, mm-hmm. a three-speed manual transmission on the column. 
which people are very confused by. Right. <laughs> you get, get somebody in the car with a column shift, and they're like, uh, what do you do with this? Three on the tree, right? Three on the tree is yep. what they used to call it. And it's basically just the same pattern as an H pattern. Okay. It's just on the column. I've know? never driven one, actually. Beyond You've never? Oh, no, now no. Steve. We I, have, I have to We have to rectify that. So <laughs> I've driven the I've driven a, uh, a Volkswagen Beetle that was a stick shift that you didn't have a clutch. An auto stick. Okay, auto stick, it, right. Yeah. That's about the most exotic <laughs> shifter I've ever used. Well, I just bought a car with a manual transmission. Did you? Yeah, six-speed manual transmission. You want to tell us what it is? Well, it's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a new-to-me car. It's okay. It's a 2006 Porsche. Nice. Carrera. Okay. S. Oh. Cabriolet. Okay. Six-speed. Nice. In a beautiful blue. And, of course, I can't get it delivered because of stupid weather. It's been raining here for three days. And thank goodness it wasn't ten degrees colder. Or as I, one of one of my friends at his and I were walking to somewhere to a bar one night from somewhere else, and <laughs> and his wife said, "You know, if it was colder out and raining, it'd probably be snowing." <laughs> I said, "Well, yeah, that, that's yeah, true. That could be possibly true. Or you could do like uh, one of my friends' wives called him one one time and said, "Honey, I am exhausted. Do I really have to wait till two a.m. to set my clock back?" <laughs> so, uh, some of the other interesting inventory we've gotten in, a uh, 76 AMC Gremlin. Okay. Yeah, you don't see those very often. You hear about the Pacers a lot. Right. And we have a Pinto as well, too. So we've got two of the you know least favorite cars. <laughs> Dave Freiberger's working on a, uh, a Gremlin right now. So no it's kind of re- re-emerged. Re-emerged. The Gremlin is pretty cool. It's a rebuilt yep. engine and transmission. 258 cubic inch, inline six, hmm. 95 horsepower. Mm-hmm. Yep. room. But but lots of room for a, for a you know a crate engine. Oh, sure. Yep. Yeah, you got plenty of room in there. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of a cool-looking car if you – you know, it's like I always say about like seventy, late seventies and eighties mm-hmm. Corvettes. I kind of overlook them because they weren't that powerful. But then when I read the description that my writer writes about them, I'm like, mm-hmm. you know what? That's not a bad looking car if you get past the part that you had in your head that it was never very powerful and right. only had 190 horsepower right. or whatever. Uh, another neat car, a uh, '68 Dodge Dart GT convertible, mm-hmm. really a cool car. 383 uh, 727 torque flight transmission. It's in metallic green. Uh, really a beautiful car and then we got a really unusual car in a 36 cord 810 westchester sedan uh those were you know original front wheel drive cars probably one of the first probably the first front wheel drive car a lycoming 288 cubic inch v8 and lycoming i think was made in williamsport or that area that area yeah uh, over there williamsport lock haven mm-hmm. and uh select shift semi-automatic i don't really know what that means exactly but uh, you probably do since you've driven those exotic <laughs> Shifter. <laughs> shifters right uh, and then, uh, and it was it was labeled at the time the most striking and innovative car of its time. So that was kind of its tag. They all say that, yeah. Of course they did. And then, of course, the aforementioned Pinto that we have in. Yes, that was a dealer demo car. It's the two point eight liter, ninety horsepower V six. So uh, the bright red one, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, just, it's a sharp looking boy. You'll be the star of, of Radwood <laughs> in that thing. Do you know that I would imagine that you could probably take a Pinto or a Gremlin or, or a Pacer, any of those three. And um, you could probably – I'm not leaning into my mic very well. Sorry, I'm over here just leaning back like I'm – I feel like your voice can <laughs> carries, no? Okay. So the anyway, engineer says lean in, lean in. He says lean in, you lean in, by golly. <laughs> you don't want – he can really make us sound bad. So right. uh, the Pinto is interesting because I would imagine that if you took a Pinto or a Gremlin or a uh, Pacer and went to the gas station, you'd gather a crowd. Mm-hmm. Maybe more so than if you drove up in a new Bentley or something. You know, It's I think true. It's funny when – 
when you drive, I used to drive only classic cars. I just drive something off the lot, mm-hmm. and every time you go to the gas station, people would come to you. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then other times, I'd just take a you know, I'd drive my pickup truck or a, uh, something, and nobody'd come up to you at the gas station. You're like, well, wait a minute, what? Why aren't people coming up to me? Well, they're not coming up to you because it, it wasn't you. Right? <laughs> it was the car. You know, they were coming to talk about the car. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, hey, I learned these things as as I get older, and and why I look so good in a dark bar and other things like. Can that. I tell you a funny story? <laughs> One time I was uh, uh, fill- I had air shocks on my Trans Am right before I got rid of it. And uh, I was filling up <laughs> air, and there was a guy standing behind. I thought, this guy likes my car. He's, you know, I was at a gas station with the air. Right. And he's standing there, standing there, and I'm filling up my my shocks. It turns out he was just waiting for the air. Right. He, had no, he, had, he didn't want to talk about my car. I just thought I was, thought I was so cool, you know, with my jacking up my, my Trans Am. <laughs> with your air. With I'd forgotten about air shots. Oh, yeah. The, the Schrader valve in the back? The Schrader valve. Yep. There were some cars that had a tube that ran from the spare tire to the back of the car okay. where you could air up the spare without opening the trunk. Nice. So whatever that solved, I don't really – I guess if you had a Continental kit on your car, it would solve having to <laughs> move that big thing because those yeah. things are clunky, clunky, clunky to move. Yep. So uh, one of the things that we haven't talked about lately, though, is um, the Cobra Experience. Uh, they're giving away the car in July. And uh, if you go to CobraExperience.org and type in CAM11 as the code, C-A-M-11, uh, you'll get 25% more tickets. Uh, it's for a raffle for charity. Um, CobraExperience.org is their website. Great people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had uh, Emily, uh, who runs the Cobra Experience, on the show oh, a couple of months ago. We'll have her on again before uh, uh, we get to the uh giveaway date which nice. is july something i'll have to remember that but uh and don't forget uh social media we've got all kinds of cool things happening on talk tick and <laughs> talk tick yeah. i did that on purpose tic-tac 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 yeah tic-tac is like uh really blowing up uh, the grand national like i said because that there's in the news right now sure got a lot of uh, just went viral for some reason i don't know why but uh, check out check us out we're having a good time and we have a, a new person coming on board uh starting today oh uh, right 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 i forgot uh, all about it's going to be all over social media yeah that's uh, uh Alyssa bainbridge uh she is the reigning miss burks county miss burke county former miss philadelphia former miss philadelphia to, uh, miss Berks County from 2021 and beyond, I guess. She does a fantastic job, and we're excited to bring her on. We're, we're really becoming uptown around here. Yeah, right? <laughs> at, at Classic Automall is where you can find us on social media. Yeah, and we're on Facebook, and we're on Instagram, Instagram YouTube. YouTube. Some of these interviews now are getting uploaded, so if you want to uh, see the guests as well as hear them, you can go on the YouTube channel. And there's some car features you're doing as yep, well. Yeah, we're doing some car features on there as well, too. My daughter, Madison, is our social media director, and uh, she's down in Missouri, but I guess you don't have to be in the building to do those kind of things. It's a, it's one of those good off-premise jobs. And That's right. She's doing a great job for us. And check out our drone footage video if you haven't seen that. It's just amazing. It's uh, it's the best. And I love the comments. They're like, "How did you do? How did you allow that yeah, drone to fly yeah. through there?" I, it was a trusting thing. Tr- trust me, it was a trusting thing. It was very. Um, I was a little nerve nervous about it because I had met this guy and he was really great at what he did, but you know, one 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 wrong turn. <laughs> oh yeah, and he flew through the back of cars. I'm watching it right now. You got it on the screen. Yeah, out it's there. on the screen out here. But it's, anyway, it's awesome. um, don't forget to uh, check us out every week, every Saturday, uh, 9 a.m. And otherwise, come see us here at Classic Auto Mall anytime you're in the area, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Take it away, Steve. We appreciate you listening to our show today. And don't forget, when you're in southeastern Pennsylvania, come visit us in person. We're open Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Wednesday is our late day, and we're here from 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. 
Saturdays were open from 9 a.m. to noon, and we are closed on Sundays. You can reach us by telephone at 888-227-0914 or via email at info at classicautomall.com. To reach the show, email us at podcast at classicautomall.com. The Classic Automall Podcast is produced by Car Smarts Media. Theme song by the Pat Travers Band. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.